0: Good tonight. Hey, once you guys turn, look to the person to your right and say, "I'm ready to have a good time tonight. Ready to have a good time tonight, guys. I'm feeling good. It is going to be a good night. So, hey, listen. I got to tell you guys a story. So, when I was in high school, uh, I was on the wrestling team, and I was on the wrestling team for a few years, and that was kind of like my sport. That was the thing I did. But the problem with that was, is our school not very good at wrestling. Our team not very good at wrestling. We got beat. A lot. And the even bigger problem with that is our rival uh, high school was like the state champs. They won like every single year. They won like six, seven years in a row. And it was always the worst having to go and play them or wrestle them every year because we just got the tar beat out of us. Like it was like we'd be in and out of this wrestling match in like 30 minutes like pin, 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 pin. All right, let's get back on the bus and go home. So uh, my parents decided one year um, after my freshman year, hey, David, we're going to send you to Gilmer summer camp. We're going to send you to that school's summer camp. Hopefully you can go there, you can learn some things, and you'll learn and uh, you'll get better at wrestling. You'll be able to improve your record the next year. So I go to the camp over the summer, and I show up, and I'm like, uh, you know, there in the morning, and then the camp starts, and the coaches come out, and they're having us run all the workouts and all the sequences, like, full maximum speed, run it as hard as you can. And, like, the first 30 minutes of this camp, like, I'm out of gas, Like, I'm completely out of energy. I'm like, can I get a Gatorade? Like, can I get some apple slices or something? Because your boy is done. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, how am I going to be able to make it through three days of this? Like, it's not even lunchtime yet, and I'm already, like, completely out of energy. Because we're just running full speed through all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't go any further. And one of the assistant coaches comes over, because he comes to a group of us who are kind of grumbling over in the corner. And he's like, you know what you guys' problem is? He's like, I bet you guys as coaches don't make you guys run through stuff full speed when you're in practice, do they? They don't make you practice like it's the real thing, do they? I'm like, no. Like, you know, at my school, when we run practice, we run at three speeds. We run warm-up, we run half speed, and then we run full speed. We only run about ten minutes of practice at full speed. We only do the workouts, the sequences at full speed. And he's like, that's what you guys' problem is. That's why you keep losing. That's why you keep getting the tar beat out of you guys. Because when you're in a match, when you're in the real thing, that other guy's not going to go half speed. When you're in there and it's just you guys, when you guys are wrestling, like that other guy's going full speed the whole time. And you know what your problem is, is you're practicing poorly. You're teaching shit. Your, that's probably my coach calling me right now, telling me to stop talking junk about him. Is this like Lane's phone over here or something like that? Lane, I don't know who Isaiah is, but he's calling you, bro. You better call him back after this is over. At least it wasn't your mom. That would have been more embarrassing. But hey, so listen. So so that assistant coach is like, hey, you know what your problem is? Your problem is, is you have practiced poorly. You've taught yourself how to perform poorly when the real thing is happening. And in that moment, I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision to put on some humility and acknowledge, man, he's right. He's right. My entire life, everything I've learned, I've learned the wrong way. And what I have learned in practice is coming out in the real thing. It's coming out in the match, and it's causing me to lose And I think for many of us in here tonight, that's probably what we need to do. We need to put on some humility and we need to realize that we have practiced dating so poorly. And it's causing us to perform really, really bad once we get into the real thing. And we need to put on some humility tonight and realize, like, we've had some bad coaches and bad teachers in life when it's come to this. And we've looked at all the wrong places, we've looked at all the wrong things for direction. And we go and we've gone to a university and put ourselves through a college degree of learning bad dating habits and bad principles. Because we go to things like movies, we go to things like TV shows, we watch stuff like The Bachelor. Yeah, I know I'm about to step on some toes right now, but just think about it. Two successful couples in like what, 21 seasons? That's like less than a 10% success rate. If I told you you're going to jump out of an airplane, this parachute has a 10% chance of opening, there's no way you would jump. Yet we're looking at stuff like this to guide us. We take relationship advice. Oh my gosh, we take relationship advice. This is the worst place ever from Instagram and Twitter. Like that is the place of the blind leading the blind straight off a relational cliff. Yet that's where we go, guys. That's where we go and we've got to put on some humility tonight and realize, like, man, we have learned some bad practices, and it's causing us to perform poorly. But to do that, like, you've got to put on some humility tonight. Like, you've got to put humility on and realize, like, man, I've done some, I've done it wrong, and I've got to change. So, hey, everyone, look to the person near right and say humility. Now, look to the person near left and say humility. All right. Now, you've said it, like, three, four times. Like, let's try to put it on tonight, guys. And listen, I know what some of you guys are thinking right now in this room. I know what's going through your head. You're like, David, how are you going to talk about dating? Like, you're a single dude. Like, you ain't, like, you ain't married. Like, what do you know? How are you qualified to speak about this? Well, guys, just because you're married, that doesn't mean you got a good marriage. Just because you got married to someone, that doesn't mean that you got it all put together, that you know what you're talking about. I know, Miguel's about to get up and leave because he's like married in here, and he's like, bro, why are you calling me out? Why are you calling me out? The second thing, you know who uh, was single and had a lot to say about marriage? The Apostle Paul. You know who was also single and had a lot to say about marriage? Jesus. So if you're just going to look to that as like your qualifier for whether you're going to listen or not, I would encourage you, if it's not, if the Son of God isn't good enough for you, I don't know what is going to be. Third, nothing I'm going to teach you guys tonight is really original with me. Nothing I'm going to show you guys over the next few weeks is really original with me. It's all God's wisdom, and it's all things that I've picked up and I've learned from other people. So there's something coming on the screen right now. This is a list of resources. This is just a snapshot of a lot of stuff that I've read that I've listened to. And you guys can take those. Those are books. Those first four items are all books. I've got the author listed second. Those bottom two are podcasts for you guys who are like, hey, I can't really do the whole reading thing, but I can listen to a podcast on the way. Those are all great resources. If you read all four of those, you listen to those podcasts, I'm telling you, a lot of stuff that I'm going to say tonight, you're going to hear that stuff over. You're going to hear that stuff over in that. And the last thing is this, guys, if I can just be real with you, like I've had a lot of relational wreckage in my life. Like I look back in my past, like I look at the road that's behind me I see a lot of failed relationships. I see a lot of things I wish I hadn't said. I see a lot of things I wish I hadn't done. So when I come off to you guys with a serious tone, if I come off to you guys tonight as like, man, like, he's, he's not kidding. He's not playing. It's because, one, I don't want you guys to have to suffer the way that I've suffered. Like, I don't want that for anybody. I don't want you guys to have to feel that way in second. I want you to see that apart from Christ, like, your life is going to be miserable. Like there's not one part of your life you can't give over to Jesus and expect to find success in it. There's not one part of your life that you can do outside God's wisdom and expect that it will go well for you because it will not. Take it from me because I tried and I did not succeed in doing that, guys. And I just, I really feel like I'm at the place in life where I've finally resolved and given all this over to God, and I feel like I can do this in such a way in my life where, listen, I used to think it was crazy to think that you could date someone and it not work out. You could not marry that person. You could get to the point where you say, it's wiser for us to call this off. You can actually have a relationship like that, exit it, and both people can actually be better off. Like, you can leave, you can exit a relationship without it being this giant explosion of emotions and pain and wreckage and suffering. You can actually do that. It's actually possible. But if we do not commit to doing it Jesus' way, if we do not commit to employing the wisdom that God gave us from start to finish, surely that's what we can expect to find is only pain, is only suffering, is only more broken friendships, is only more broken relationships, is only more broken hearts, is only more nights that we wish we could forget. So that's what I want to do. I just want to briefly look at five things tonight, five ways we've been practicing poorly in this area, five principles. Guys, it takes a lot of growing up. It takes a lot of maturity, and it takes a lot of real soul work with Christ to date and to date well. It's not for little kids. It's for adults. So I hope maybe over the next four weeks, a lot of us can grow up with God and we can grow out of some of the things that are holding us down because I'm telling you, when you get married, these problems you think are just going to magically go away are not going to go away. There's no married people problems. There's just single problems that you're going to drag into marriage. So before we do that, let's pray, let's ask God to help us. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that tonight will be a night of freedom, that tonight will be a night all about you, God, that tonight we'll make much, much of you, Father. I pray tonight that, God, people will walk out of here free. God, I pray that through the power of confession, God, through the power of what you told us to do in your word, God, that when we confess our sins, God, that we are free from that. God, I pray that you would set us free tonight. God, I pray that every person in this room God, the Holy Spirit within them would just illuminate their understanding of your word, God, that we would be able to employ, put these things in our life, God, and live them. We would cling to your wisdom, God. We would cling to your truth, God. We would cling to your mercy, God, and that we would live by it, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers of it. Jesus, I pray that I step out of the way tonight and that you step in, God. I can't help anyone, God, but if you would grant me an anointing, if you would speak through me, Father, people can come from death to life. Father, it's not by anything I can do. No persuasive speech, no clever tactics, none of that can change anyone's heart. It is by no other name that men are saved, God, except by yours. So in the power of Jesus' name, God, we ask these things. Amen. All right, guys, so we've got a lot of content tonight, and we might go over a little bit long, but it's going to be all right, and it's going to be fun. So we're going to look at these five principles. Here we go. First one, first principle, if you want to practice poorly, this is what you need to do. If you want to have a bad dating relationship, if you want to have a poor marriage, do this. One, hide your hurts and your habits. Hide your hurts and your habits. You will carry hurt in your life, you will carry pain in your life until you put it down. And many of us in here are trying to deal with unresolved hurt and really destructive patterns and problems in our life by just leaping into relationship after relationship thinking that this is gonna be the thing that is gonna fix it. And we have bought into a, the lie that if we start dating another person, that our pain, our pattern, our problem, like it's just gonna go away. It's just gonna go away. So we hop into a relationship after a relationship trying to find the right person. And then when the pain doesn't go away and that person can't fix it and they, and they can't complete us like the way that we thought we would, we think, oh, well, I just found the wrong person. I dated the wrong person. So then we just hop out of that relationship and then we try to hop into a new one yet when we do that you know what you're doing you're training yourself for something you're training yourself not for commitment you're training yourself for divorce because when you get in that relationship with that person and you put this standard on them that they have to complete you and they can't complete you only God can do that they'll never be able to live up with that standard and then you're gonna start just thinking man I just keep picking the wrong person the problem is my selection the problem is not your selection. The problem is you have unresolved pain in your heart that no one else can fix. The problem is you have unresolved patterns in your life that you continue to drag into relationship after relationship after relationship. And you're expecting a human to be able to do what only God can do. And you, what you do on the front is you hide that problem. You keep it deep, hidden down within yourself. You don't want the other person to see it. You don't want them to see that you just hide it, hoping that it's going to fix itself somewhere along the way. And then you never have to address it. You never have to talk about it. It'll never work. And you'll keep bouncing from person to person to person. So instead of hiding your hurts and habits, like, let's deal with them. Deal with your hurts and habits. Attack the problem head on. Stop trying to sweep it under the rug. You sweep that monster under the rug, it just gets bigger every single day. Look at what God's word says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 on the screen. It says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Listen, what Peter is teaching us, you can become a slave to the choices that you make. You can become a slave to something and actually be the one to put the shackles on yourself. With every decision, with every choice that you make, You are enslaving yourself to something. And he's saying, look, with Christ, we've been set free from that. Why would you go back to your old sins? If we don't remind ourselves, if we don't tell ourselves, if we don't take our sin to Jesus so that he can cleanse us from the things that hurt us, they will follow us until we die or we deal with them. The myth is that time will heal all wounds. No, your wound will heal when you address it. Your wound will heal when you attack it. Your wound will heal when you confess it. What John says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, he says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we'll have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, but if we confess our sins to him, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. You guys know your sin will not die until it is squirming in the light of Christ's glory. And it can't get in the light of Christ's glory until you let it out and put it in the light. That's what John's getting at. That's what Peter's getting at. He's saying there is power in confession. There is power in letting it out into the glory of who Jesus is. And this is why it is so important to have community. That's why it's so important to address it now and to not let it grow, and to address it in community with other people. The power of confession, giving it over to God, is the power of the gospel. It's the power to set you free. Power to set you free from that thing that you thought you would carry for the rest of your life, that thing you thought you would never tell anyone. It is the power to set you free. Guys, that's why we have a team of people who hang out with me here every week. We sit down here in the front, and we want to talk because, listen, your problem, your, your habit, your pattern, it's not going to go away until you let it out, until you confess it with other people. That's why it says in James, it says when someone confesses, when they admit sin, that you should stop and pray and thank God. Because as soon as you confess that, you have taken the first step. You have taken the step to allow the Holy Spirit to start to heal you from that. But what the enemy wants to do is just keep getting in your ear saying, shame, shame, you should be ashamed of that. You should never tell anyone about that. You should keep it inside you and keep letting it kill you. If someone ever heard that, they would abandon you. And Jesus is saying, if you would just let that out, you would let the enemy not control you anymore, and you would let my spirit begin to heal you. Guys, there's so much power in confession. So much power in confession. That's why we say we're all a complete mess on the way to completeness, because we mean it. Like, you know what the reality is? Is everyone in this room sucks. Like, seriously, we all suck. I suck, too. We just suck in different ways. So if we, can just, if we can just understand that, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to just talk about, like, hey, this is the way that I suck at life. But I'm trying to get better. Like, can you help me get better? Can we go after God together? Can we pursue Christ together? Because this is not working out for me. that's why we do this, guys. Listen, deal with it now. Deal with it now. Tonight, deal with it tonight. Don't go another hour. Don't let it go another hour. Guys, I called a friend recently, a guy I keep up with a lot. He just got married this past year. I call them from time to time. We catch up. We like to talk about life. We like to talk about what we're doing. And I was like, hey man, like how's things going with your wife? Like how's marriage? You know, first like year of marriage, I don't know if you guys know, is this thing called like the honeymoon phase where everything's like amazing and like your spouse, whatever they do, it's incredible and it's wonderful. Like they make like a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you're like, wow, that is like the Mona Lisa. That is the most gorgeous PB&J ever. It should hang in a museum. So I'm ex- fully expecting my friend to, you know, start telling me all this amazing stuff that's going on and tell me about that, and I'm going to, like, grip my teeth and try to endure it, and then we're going to get back to talking about other stuff. And he's like, dude, if I can be honest with you, the first six months of our marriage was far, far, far from the honeymoon phase. In fact, I feel like I've been living in a nightmare. I said, why is that? He said, you know, there was so much stuff in my life, in my heart, that I left unresolved, that I tried to bury deep, deep within myself that I wouldn't give over to God. And when I got married, the enemy got a hold of that, and then it all came out, and then I discovered that my wife had things that she had carried her entire life, that she had never dealt with, that she had never talked with people, that she had suppressed deep within her spirit her whole life, and then when we came together, it all exploded. I said, so what do you do? Man, we started going to counseling, we started confessing, and we started getting free. And it's been work. And it's been hard, but it's been so worth it. And it's been so worth it, guys. Instead of hiding your habits, instead of hiding your hurts, don't hide it, heal it. Don't hide it, heal it. If you guys aren't taking notes tonight, tonight is the night to start. Like, if you've got to type it on your phone, if you've got to text it to your friend, just whatever you've got to do. Just start sending them texts and be like, these are the notes from tonight's sermon. I just need to save them for later. Like, tonight is the night to start. Second thing, if you want to date poorly, if you want to prepare poorly for what is next, then you need to stay selfish. Stay selfish. A lot of you guys in here, you live alone, you live by yourself. You know what you need to do? Get a roommate. Get a roommate. And you're like, man, it's my preference to live alone. I don't have to deal with other people. I don't have to deal with dysfunction. Bro, listen to me. Get you a dysfunctional roommate, a real dysfunctional one. You know what I'm saying? Like one that practices the guitar at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like one that never does the dishes. There's like mold and green stuff growing in your sink. Get you a dysfunctional roommate. Get you one that never cleans up after themselves. Listen, one day... Your spouse is going to have a dysfunctional roommate, and it's going to be you. So what you need to do is you need to learn patience now. You need to learn how to communicate your felt needs now. You need to learn how to talk it out now. Like, you need to learn how to do that. There's so much skill that you can get So much life skill that you can learn just from living with other people who are just as messed up as you. Like, you need to do that. You need to give up some preference. Your preference is preventing you from learning. It's preventing you from getting better. Guys, we date selfishly, too. You guys know that? What's one of the most commonly heard phrases you ask someone? You ask them about their relationship, like, hey, tell me about your relationship. What do they always say? Man, I just love the way they make me feel. Love the way they make me feel. Like, do you get how selfish that is? What you like about them is how they make you feel. What you like about them is not about them, it's about you. Like, what are you going to do when they don't make you feel that way anymore? Are you just going to dip? you Are just going to be out when those feelings aren't there anymore? Guys, we date so selfishly. Look, I saw this meme coming on screen. I saw this meme a couple of days ago and like it had like 15 shares and I got on Instagram and people were putting on their Instagram story and then I got on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter too. And I saw this meme and I was like, this is the worst, absolute worst relationship advice I've heard in my entire life. This is, if I have ever seen a dumpster fire on the internet, like this is it. Okay, so let's just look at this for a second. Uh, problem number one, it says Twitter from Android in the bottom right hand corner. So y'all should have known, like y'all shouldn't, and all the Android users are like, I'm going to another church. Like, this is bogus. Like, come on, dude, just get an iPhone already. It cost us 50 cents to text you. Jeez. So that's the first problem. But I looked at this, and, and uh, by the way, I looked at, at Zach GPS, looked up uh, his Twitter, and uh, his most popular tweet right now, is pinned tweet, uh, literally says something like, If your girl gets mad at you after you feed them, she probably has a side dude you need to beat her. And I was like, this dude, this is his pin tweet, but people are sharing this. And then I looked at the rest of his stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is all pornographic material. Like, if that's not objectifying to women, I don't know what is. Yet people are sharing this. But let's just, if we could just set all that aside, like maybe this guy has given us a grain of truth, a nugget of truth. So let's read this. It says, The honeymoon phase doesn't exist when you fall for someone who is dedicated to making you feel loved and admired the entire time you're theirs. Like, what does that even mean? He's already planning for an exit of the relationship. For as long as you're theirs, however long that is, I guess until you get bored of them and you want to move on to someone else. Stop normalizing loss of affection in relationships. This is a choice, not a phase. It's all selfishness. It's all about how they make me feel for as long as I want to have them in my life until I get bored with them. As long as they make me feel these bubbly feelings, then they're fulfilling their goal. And their goal is to make me happy. Guys, we take so selfishly. It's all about us. It's all about what we want. And we take advice from the worst places. So instead of being selfish, be a servant. Do things that are not for you. Find someone who is a servant. Find someone who is living out their purpose. Everyone's purpose is to serve the church of Jesus Christ. Like, guys, as young adults, we are the most powerful force in the church. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Like, you have maximum freedom. You have maximum liberty right now to do whatever you want because you're not responsible for anyone else but yourself. Like, understand this with me. When Jesus was like, I'm going to change the world for through 12 guys, he could have chose children. He could have chose geriatrics. He could have chose married people with children. He could have chosen anyone. He's God. But he chose 12 people between the ages of 18 and 35 invested his life into them, and that's how he changed the world. Because he gave his message to those 12 men who told someone, 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 who told you. And that's how he changed history. Because when you're a young adult and you're single, you have maximum choice. Like, if I'm like, hey, guess what? We're going on a trip to West Africa next week. I need you to come. You can just be like, okay, I'm in. Because you don't have to ask permission to anyone else. You don't have to check with your spouse. You don't have to worry about children that you have to take care of, guys. When I say, hey, you should start a group. Hey, we're doing a project this weekend. Hey, we need more people to jump and serve. You should be able to just say, yes, I'm in. I'm in. Like, as a Christ follower, you should be all over that. You should be all over wanting to serve other people. Give your life over to other people. You should be so full of the love that Jesus has given you. You're like, I can't wait to just let it out on other people. I can't wait to serve other people. But many of us in here are not doing that. We're not giving our lives over to anyone else. We're not helping anyone else. We're not helping anyone get better. We're focused on ourselves. We're focused on our own selfish needs. Ladies, listen to me. You do not want a selfish man to love you. You don't want a selfish man to love you. You want someone to love you like Jesus does. And Jesus was a servant. what it says, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. says, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And Jesus died for the church poured out his whole life for the church he poured out he spilt his own blood serving the church Jesus was a servant he's saying look if you want to step up to the plate of this task if you want to represent be the physical representation of my love for the church you have to love her like I do which is not selfishly which is with an attitude with a heart of servitude so don't be selfish be a servant Don't be selfish. Be a servant. Number three, if you want to continue to practice poorly, look for love in all the wrong places. Look for love in all the wrong places. Look, I get it. I know what the culture says. It tells us to look for love at bars, at clubs, at the Internet, and every bad spot in between. That's the place you're going to be able to find someone. Yet God's Word tells us only to be joined to other people who are believers, not like check-the-box Christians, not someone who's like, Yeah, I'm going to put the Christian thing on my religious views on Facebook, but I've never opened a Bible before. Like, what's the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Who's Jesus? Isn't that Matthew's cousin? I don't know. Like, no. Like, you want someone who is radically pursuing Jesus in every part of their life. Real, legit, 100% all in. That's who you want to be joined to. Yet, we look for places where we are least likely to find them. Like, what are you hoping is going to happen? Like, you keep going to the bar and you're, like, hanging out, like, trying to, like, find someone. Like, are you trying to, like, find, like, the evangelism bar guy? It's, like, one in a bajillion chance you're going to find him. Like, he comes in and he has, like, this, like, thing where he's, like, I go to bars and I, like, share the gospel with people. He's, like, hey, can I get a virgin margarita? By the way, Jesus was born of a virgin. Do you know about him? Like, is that what you're hoping is going to happen? Like, I guess it's not impossible Like, I guess it's not impossible. I guess that could happen, but why do you want to stack the odds against God? Why do you want to do that? What are you hoping for? And then you know what happens? Then you come in the church, and you bring the bar mentality in the church, and you start tossing out pickup lines that worked on girls then, but then you're trying to do the bar pickup line at church, and you're, like, walking up, and you're, like, you don't even know what her name is. You don't know anything about her. You don't know her from Eve, and you're, like, hey, Here's my pickup line. Then it fails miserably because that's never going to work here. And then it's just awkward for everyone involved. Like, do you get that you're training yourself for something? Like, do you understand that you're practicing poorly and it's coming out in your performance? You trained yourself to look for love in all the wrong places. Now you're trying to transition into the right place, but you haven't left those habits behind. You haven't left those things behind. Look what it says, Proverbs 13, 20 on screen. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Some of us are taking advice from our friends, like we're listening to them. We're like, hey, can you help me with this? And they're horrible at dating. Not only are they horrible at dating, like they're horrible at following Jesus. Yet we're wanting them to speak wisdom into this life. And you know what it's doing? It's making us look real foolish, making us look real childish along the way. Guys, resolve, resolve in your heart right now to get into real biblical community. Because listen, I know what you guys are thinking. You're like, I've been to a Bible study before. I've been to a church before. I've been to a small group before. It didn't work out for me. Listen, you may have been to all of those things. You may have gone to a small group. You may have gone to a Bible study. You may have gone to an FCA. You may have gone to whatever it is. That doesn't mean that you were in biblical community because there's a lot of people who try to gather every week and try to do this religious thing, and that's all it is. It's just religion. Guys, resolve in your heart to get into real biblical community. Community can point out prospects for you. Like you can get, it is a real thing where you can get into a community of real people committed to Jesus, and they can be like, hey, I know this other person that I think might be good for you. That is a real thing that can happen. They can help you date better they can help you go about the relationship better they can help you overcome problems together we were built to do life together and most importantly they can check your crazy and help you when you can't even think straight because you know what happens when you start liking someone and you start getting these crazy chemicals going off in your brain it's literally the same thing that happens when you get hammered on alcohol Like, why are you trying to make decisions in that state of mind? You can't, yet you're trying to do this dating thing in that. And it's like, they're doing crazy stuff. Like, hey, I just saw him punt a dog off the side of the JRB. Like, you love puppies. And you're like, that puppy deserved it probably. He would never do that to me. And like, you need people in your life to be like, you're crazy. Look, he just kicked a puppy off the JRB. You're going to get kicked off the JRB. Kick him out of your life. Guys, resolve in your heart to get in biblical community. You will not make it far in life without it. Guys, resolve in your heart. Resolve. Instead of looking for love in the wrong places, resolve to look only among God's true followers. Resolve to only look among God's true followers. Four, if you want to continue to date poorly, you want to continue to practice poorly, set shallow standards. Set shallow standards. Stop saying he's got to love dogs. Man, I'm really on the dog thing tonight. He's got to love dogs because guess what? He's probably allergic to pet dander and he's never going to be able to be around dogs. Stop saying she's got to be blonde. He has to be athletic. She's got to earn 75k a year. He's got to be tall. She can't be more than two years older than me. Like what is your deal breaker in life that you're like, absolutely not. They've got to have tattoos. They can't have tattoos. They can only be this race. They can't have any kids. Can I just tell you that there are plenty of people that are single parents that would be a great spouse to you, but you got to look past your shallow standard. Literally, just today I had a guy say, you know, I'm really just looking for someone that's in, like, the nursing profession. I feel like that would be the best for me, I'm like, dude, you're narrow in the field, and you don't know nothing about biology. Guys, if you set shallow standards in your life, listen, dump them. They suck. Dump your shallow standards. Instead, have standards that are rooted in Scripture. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, but the Lord said to Samuel Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Determine in your heart that you're going to value what God values. He values what's inside. He values a heart that is humble and contrite. He values the heart that is pursuing him in all things. How do I know what their heart looks like? Guys, people show you their heart with their actions every day. They show you what they're about every day. I know, hey, I know we're going a little bit long. We're doing great. 1 Timothy 4.12. Look at 1 Timothy 4.12 coming on screen. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. So we're going to go through this super fast. Okay? People show you their actions all the time in these four things. Do they honor God in what they say? The words that come out of their mouth. Do they honor God or are they always just cursing? Are they taking the Lord's name in vain? Are they swearing by things? Are they gossiping all the time? Do they slam and they rip people behind their backs every single time they open their mouth? They're just telling you another juicy story about someone. Do they talk about people or do they talk to people? Do they honor the Lord with the way they live? Do they use every part of their life, their finances, their free time, the way they treat others, and every part of their life? Do they reflect the life and the teachings of Jesus and what they do? Or do they just play games with you? They don't text you back just to see if you call. They hang up in the middle of a FaceTime just to see if you'll FaceTime back. They subtweet about you. They subpost about you. That's childish. Be a man. Be an adult. Romans 12 says love. Let love be sincere. Kids play games, not adults. That's why kids go to recess and you don't get recess at work. Because you're not a little kid anymore. And the way that they love others, do they love people or do they use people? Guys, look at their past. Is their past, is it a trail of dumpster fire relationships like my life is? then they're probably showing you something that the way they love people is not controlled by the spirit and they're not going to make it far with you before they get bored of you and they want to toss you to the side. And you might be kind of sitting here and you're like, I don't see where Jesus is in that. Like, I want to help them. Like, I want to forgive them. I want to love them through this. Listen, you're not God. You can't change people. You can't change them. Only God can do that. And every one of us in here, individually, we have to individually choose God. Jesus gave the most exclusive and inclusive message of all time. Everyone can come, but only you can make the choice for yourself. The pastor can't make the choice for you. Your grandma can't make the choice for you. Your friend can't make the choice for you. Only you can make that choice. It's only between you and God. People can show you the way. They can point you out the way. They can tell you how to do it. But at the end of the day, it's all about what you chose. It's about what you choose each day. You can't choose for them. They show you their life in purity. Paul told Timothy, in purity be an example. As soon as you're alone with them, are they trying to get all over you? When you're alone, can they demonstrate self-control? Like, could you go on an incredible date? where you just talk and you're just super relational the, the whole time and you try to grow in a relationship and you just are not thinking about, like, man, we got to get past this dinner so we can get back home and get on the couch. Because here's the deal. Like, if they're willing to get physical with you now, outside of marriage now, if they're willing to do that now, what they're telling you is, I don't care about the sanctity of marriage. So what makes you think when you get married to them that they're not going to do that with other people they're not married to then. Because they already showed you they don't care about that boundary. They already showed you that they don't care about that thing. Look, if that's you, if you're in that relationship, and you're not battling for purity, like break up. Look, I know some of you are feeling so awkward right now, and brother, listen, I'm serving you really good. I'm loving you so well right now. I'm saving you a lot down the road. Like, stop the makeout session on the couch. Stop the Netflix and chill. Break up. Break up. You're signing your divorce papers before you buy the engagement ring. Break up. Get help. Get healthy. Like, Jesus is calling you to get healthy. So, you need to dump. You need to dump your shallow standards for who you're going to date and how you're going to date. You need to get past that. You need to root your standard in God's standard. Root your standard in God's standard. Last point. If you want to continue to practice poorly, passively follow Christ. Passively follow Christ. Like, what are you not willing to give up to follow Jesus? Like, some of you in here, you're so okay. You are so fine with this, like, American lukewarm Christianity, like, I just kind of float in and out of this place, I float in and out of church on Sunday and on Tuesday, and I'm not really going to get involved, and I'm not going to have this vibrant faith with Jesus, and I'm just putting on this fake religious mask because I want to come here and hear something that's going to kind of tickle my ears and make me feel good, and then I'm going to walk out and I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to think about it again until next week, I'm not going to think about Jesus, I'm not going to think about my neighbor, I'm not going to think about his laws, his statutes, I'm not going to think about his word, I'm not going to think about any of that. Like, I'm just going to kind of put on this front. I'm going to be one person when I'm at the voyage. I'm going to be a completely different person in one hour when I'm not here anymore. Like, if you're not giving your desires over to God, like, it's, I know it's killing you on the inside. I know it is. I'm just telling you, like, you're robbing yourself of the greatest experience you could have by not following Jesus with every piece of your being. You're robbing yourself of that. Like, is marriage such an idol, it's something you desire so deeply in your heart, like you're putting Christ in the backseat of your life? Because you just want that so bad, you're not even focusing on the one who made it, the one who gave it to you. Guys, listen, no one in here wants to walk down the aisle, look your spouse in the face in here, I commit to you, for better or for worse, sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, 50% of the time. None of you want to hear that. Ladies, none of you want to walk down the aisle, look your groom in the face, and hear them say, I'm committed to you for better or for worse, sickness and health, for richer or for poorer, and then turn and look at your maid of honor and say, I'm also committed to her. None of you want that. So why do you expect Jesus to be any different? Like, why do you expect Christ to be okay with you not being 100% committed to Him and being, trying, trying to be committed to other things along the way? Why are we okay with that? Look at what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses in this life, because there are so many people around us who are looking for the hope of the world, who are looking for an opportunity to escape this place who are looking for an answer. Since we are surrounded by so many people that are like this, let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us strip away everything that is slowing us down from having more of God, from having more of Jesus, from being more involved in loving our neighbor, from being a bigger part of his church. Let's get rid of everything that's slowing us down. Let's give it all over to him and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let me run and not grow weary on this purpose that God has set me on. Let me continue to choose him each day and not grow tired of seeing that his mercy is new every day and not grow tired of growing in his love and seeing deeper and deeper and deeper what this purpose that he has for my life is. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates Who's not just the creator who initiated it but he's also the perfecter of our faith he created it and he made it perfect because the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame now he is seated at the place of honor beside god's throne jesus is where we want to be let's keep running hard after him every day with every part of us putting away anything that's going to slow us down you know what your life is your life is like this you're just running every day, and you're running closer, and closer to Jesus, and you're cutting stuff out of your life, and you're confessing things to community, and you're getting healthy, and you're running, and you're getting more involved, and you're running harder after Jesus than ever. And as you're running, and you're getting closer and closer to Jesus, you're looking around, and there's less and less people. There's less and less people that are running. The further the closer you get to Jesus, there's less people that are around him. and at some point in your life, you're running towards Jesus, and you're looking, and you're seeing other people around you that are running the same way, and you're like, hey, We're running towards the same thing. We're going towards the same thing. Why don't we run together? Why don't you run with me? Like, I think we can run further and better if we run together because we're running towards the same thing. Listen, you can't do it if you guys aren't both running towards Jesus. If you're running towards Jesus and he's running towards his career, if you're running towards Jesus and she has things in her life that she will not give over to God, you're not running to the same place. And that's the way God designed it to work. Man, run towards Jesus. Stop waiting to start. Stop waiting and start your race. Start preparing now. Guys, singleness isn't a curse. It's a blessing. Did you know that? God gave you a season of life to prepare. He gave you a season of life to address things that you've got in your heart that you don't want to project on another human. He's given you time. He's given you this time now to deal with that hurt. Guys, I think my biggest fear of tonight, the biggest fear of teaching all of you guys this tonight, is I'm scared you'll turn this into a formula. Like, you'll be like, if I do these five things, if I, if I can kind of get a good grip on all five of these things, then Jesus is going to bring me my person. Maybe. Maybe he will. And like, some of you are so disappointed right now to hear that. Like, that crushes you to your core and i think if that's you like man like you're missing the majesty of what it is to follow god like you're missing the beauty of what it is to really be all in with christ to really strip away all things and run the race that is set before us so some of you man you need to stop being passive about following god Like you need to stop trying to focus on like man if I could just get someone like with me to help me along no forget that stop like stop being passive about following God get healthy before you ask someone to go to Chili's with you and then don't take in the Chili's either you get asked to go to Chili's ladies don't go don't go you're worth more than that you're worth at least Olive Garden you know what I'm saying. Guys, some of you guys in here, like some of y'all, like you, like some of you guys really are. Like there's a handful of you guys in here that really are like running after God the way you should, that are pursuing God the way you should, that are doing things the way you should. And like you just need to stop being passive and you just need to ask someone out. Like you just need to stop waiting. Like you want your sign, here it is. Like stop being that. Like there are a lot of godly women out there. And you just need to stop being passive, and you just need to go for it. Man, I feel like someone got saved, like, over there when I said that. Guys, this is it. This is everything right here tonight. Last point. As the band comes forward, check this out. You get your relationship with God thriving, every other relationship will flourish. Because dating won't thrive without Christ at the center. In fact, you know, none of your, no area, no part of your life will thrive without Jesus at the center. Did you guys get the reoccurring theme of all five points? Jesus isn't at the center of it. You're not doing it for God. Your life hasn't been changed by his gospel. None of this will work for you. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the cornerstone of our life. And, you know, I think if I'm honest, if we all kind of think about maybe the root behind all this, I think every person in here... Like we just want to be chosen. Like we want someone to choose us. Like we just want someone to look at us, love us for who we are, with our scrapes and our bruises, our flaws. We want someone to choose us, regardless of all that. Like deep down, like the root behind all this is that's what we want, man. Got great news for you. Ephesians chapter 1 says that Jesus chose you before the foundation of time. It means that long before you screwed your life up, long before you did all that stuff you wish you could forget about, long before you said those things, you did those things. Jesus chose you before all that. He knew you were going to do all those things, He knew you were going to make all those mistakes, He knew that you were going to get yourself into that mess, and yet He chose you anyway. And He held on to His commitment. He held on to His promise so deeply, so tightly that He came here and endured the cross in your place. He died for you in His place so that you can be joined to Him. So I'm just telling you, we talked a lot of good wisdom tonight. But this wisdom is useless unless you give your entire being over to Christ. Unless you give your entire self over to Christ. And if you have done that and you still have unresolved pain, unresolved problems, unresolved patterns that you have not confessed to God, that you have not confessed to Godly community, it's not going to help you. So for a lot of us in here tonight, that's what we need to do. And that's what I want to give you the chance to do right now. So we're going to spend just a few minutes right now in prayer. And we're going to spend a few minutes talking to God, confessing to God, saying, God, if, if you don't know him, like, God, I want to know you. Like, God. God, I want you to cleanse me of my sin. I want you to cleanse me of my pain. And listen, I know we're going a little bit long tonight. And that's all right. Like God don't care about our clocks. He made time. What use does he have for our clocks? We're gonna spend some time praying, God, show me, search within my heart. Just like David prayed in the Psalms, search within me, O Lord, and show me my iniquity. Would you just do that right now? Would you just pray? Would you just ask God, God, what unresolved thing do I have buried deep within me? God, what unresolved pain have I not given over to you tonight? God, what problems, what experiences, God, do I need to confess to you right now, God? give every piece, every part of myself to you, every piece, every part over to you. Ask him, say, God, give me courage and boldness to talk to someone tonight. Give me boldness and courage, God, to confess this to the godly community tonight.